The adults, please turn to the book of Romans in chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'll read to you verse 1 and 2, and then I'll go to verse 11. We talked about the first 10 verses last Sunday. The first 10 verses of Romans chapter 6 deals with our position by the new birth, that we are set apart positionally, or holy positionally, at the time of the new birth. We're automatically set apart unto God and separated from sin at that time. There's been a death that has taken place. We now have a new master. And that's the first 10 verses of this chapter. And anyway, chapter 6, verse 1, the question is, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because Paul made this statement that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound in verse 20 of chapter 5. And so this silent questioner, this person asking this question, well, if sin causes the grace of God to abound, then let's sin and give grace opportunity to increase. And so that is the corrupt thinking that is in some people's minds, even in the church world today. They feel that grace gives them a license to sin and live an unholy life. But Paul, he answers this, verse 2, he says, God forbid, which means may it never be that way. We are not given a license to sin or disobey the word of the Lord. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein now go to verse 11 verse 11 through 23 gives us a progressive purification or a progressive sanctification sanctification simply is set apart we were set apart we are being set apart right now it's a process of purification it has to do with your knowing your considering and your yielding Okay, verse 11, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law. What does that mean? You're dealing with two laws here. The law of sin and the law of the spirit. When it says you're not under law, we're not talking about the word of God. We're talking about what he's talking about in this chapter. The master of sin. You're now under the master of the spirit. You're no longer under the law of sin. But you're law under the law of the spirit. Do you understand that? Okay. Very important for you to understand that. When we get to Romans chapter 8, we're going to talk about these four spiritual laws. So every time you read the word law, it doesn't mean he's talking about the word of God in the Old Testament. There is a law of sin and death, and there's a law of the Spirit. So, let me read it again, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. What is it? He just said it. 
that sin's not going to have dominion over you. For you're not under the law of what? Of sin. Okay? You understand? But you're under grace. Thank God for that. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Okay, so you get that? If you yield yourself to, this, to a particular servant, you are the servant to the master that you obey. Okay, so if you yield yourself to sin, then sin's power is your master. If you yield to the Spirit of God, then God is your master. Depends on who you yield yourself to. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. For God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Do you understand? Paul says in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, and unto iniquity. It simply means, you know, whatever you yield to is, if you yield to sin, it just gets more and more lawless, more and more sinful. Even so, now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The benefit of a yielded life to God is eternal life. The results of a life unyielded to God and yielded to the power of sin is hell. And in this chapter we have a choice. We make a choice to yield ourselves to righteousness, be servants of the Spirit of God, or we yield ourselves to be servants to sin. And the benefits of righteousness is eternal life. The benefit of, of living in the power of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the choice is, is in your hand. There's two masters, there's two ways, and there's two spirits. And we have, all of us, the ability to choose which one we will yield to. Father, we thank you today for your awesome word. We thank you for your grace and power and your spirit that is here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning about remote control. Remote control. And I'm going to illustrate that to you this morning. But before we get to that, again, in the first ten verses, we talk about a death that has been taken place, that we are no longer under the power of sin uh, because we have been baptized into Christ's death. Let's go to Job, please. <clears throat> we see in Job 3.19, Romans chapter 6 is a, from a Jewish point of view, is a midrash. 
Romans 6 is a midrash on Job 3.19. And a midrash is Jewish understanding or explanation, biblical explanation of a particular aspect of the Word of God, midrash. Let's look at Job 3.19. Okay, the small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his master. The context here is death. So when there is a death that takes place, then you are then free from that master. In this sense, when, when there's a death that has taken place, then you are free from the master or the power of sin. Because sin, in the Word of God, in this particular aspect of it, is not talking about just what you do it is a it's a personification it's a person in a sense it is a king that rules it is a power it is a force in life now the person who is not born again is a servant is a slave to the power of sin the power of sin reigns over them and controls them. So that even if the sinner, the unconverted, unborn again person, even if they did want to do what's right, they could not do what's right. Because the power of sin dominates them, has dominion over them, and reigns in their life, controls their life. Everything has a control behind it. It, we don't do anything by ourselves. You don't do anything by yourself. I don't do anything by myself. There's something behind the action. Okay? So there is a power. There's a force behind sinful acts. And it's Mr. Sin. It's the power of sin. It's something that puts people in bondage. Now, holiness is never bondage. You will hear stupid people. Make stupid statements. They will tell you that holiness is bondage. That is, that is the most ignorant thing that anybody could ever say. Because holiness, separation unto God, making Him your master, is not bondage. It's the only freedom there is. For you to live an unholy life or an ungodly life automatically puts you in bondage to the power of sin. The only freedom you can find is living a holy life under a new master, Jesus Christ. So if anybody ever comes to you and tells you that holiness is bondage, you know where they're coming from. They are under the power of sins. They are controlled by sin. They're controlled by its power. Do you understand? Holiness sets you free. So in the context here of Job 3.19, then death, when there's a death, then the master loses his power over you. You're free from the master. And so last week we talked about Romans 6, 1 through 10. We talked about, again, exactly what it says here, that you have come out from underneath the power of a master. How? Through death. And that death was when you repented of your sin, was water baptized in Jesus' name. A death took place there so that now you're no longer under the power of sin. The power of sin has been broken. And when it is broken in your life is at baptism. Yeah. 
there has been a death, which means there has been a separation in your life. So that it doesn't mean that the sin nature is extinct. It doesn't mean that the power of sin is extinct. It means that has, there has been a separation, death to that. Which now means you can yield to the new master. You are free now to serve the Lord. You are free now to serve a new master. You are free to live for God. You are free to live holy. And that takes place at the new birth. And so that's what Paul deals with in Romans chapter 6. But he says again, The small and greater there and the servant is free from his master at death. Free from the master. We are free from Yetzer, which means that evil inclination, that sin nature. We are free from that through death, through the death of Jesus. And then now we are free to serve Yotzer, Y-O-T-Z-E-R, the creator. You understand? Through death. So, whenever you got born again, you need to understand what Paul is saying is here, is it didn't give you a license to stay under the old master and the power of sin. He wants you to know the good news. The power of that old master has been broken. And he wants you to know that, consider that, and yield to that. Now, just because that power has been broken doesn't mean that you cannot be tempted. And it doesn't mean that, that you won't sin. And it doesn't mean that the sin nature is extinct. It's still there. But its power to rule your life is what has been broken. The separation is the power of sin is broken. But you have to know that. You've got to get a revelation of that. You have to consider that, confess that. To reckon means to consider that. It means to confess that and to live as you are now. Not as you were, but live as you are. Do you understand? So you can yield to what you used to be. So can I. But we're not to yield to what we used to be. We are to yield to the new master. We are not to yield to sin. Okay? Because a death has taken place. And that's what Paul in the first ten verses are talk, is talking about. Positionally, when you got born again, there was a separation. There was a death that took place. That old sin nature, that old master, that old king, that old person of sin was broken in your life. So you no longer have to yield to that. Now go back to Romans, please. Chapter 6. So Paul then, <clears throat> he deals with this. I want to read verse 1 again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? <clears throat> there is a, a lie that's in the world today and in the church world that it's okay to sin. The grace of God will just cover it. You know, we're under grace. We're not under law now. So, and at least that's what they try. They interpret that we're not under the word of God anymore. Listen, this book, this whole Bible is the law of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all the Word of God. So just because I'm in the Spirit, in the age of the Spirit, in the age of grace, doesn't mean that I throw the Word of God away. And that I don't have to obey it anymore. But there is a teaching today that believes that. Because they misinterpret these passages. What we are free from is the law of sin and death. We are free from the condemnation of the law. Mm, help me, Jesus. Do you understand the purpose of the law? Literally, it means, 
In other aspects of the Word of God, it means to take you and put you in a prison. The law was, was something that took you and put you in a prison. And what was that prison for? To keep you from destroying yourself. That was the purpose of the law. To put you in prison to keep you from destroying yourself. Bring you to a place of utter despair and then hand you over to Jesus. Hand you over to the grace of God. But once you're handed over to the grace of God, does not say now you no longer walk under the word of God. That's heresy. But that's in the church world today. That's what they teach. What I'm free from is the law of sin and death. I am free from the power of sin. I'm free from the condemnation that the law brings. I've been set free from the prison house of law that kept me from destroying myself until I could be delivered into the grace, into the hands of God. And then once I've been delivered in the hands and grace of God by the Spirit, now I'm walking in faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that now since we're in the Spirit in the, in the age of grace that the Word of God is to be thrown away? How could that possibly be when the Spirit is the author of the Word? God is never going to throw His Word aside. He is the author of His Word. So He works with His Word. So it's not the Word of God I'm delivered from. Thank God. It's the power of sin and death. It's the condemnation of the law. I've been set free from prison because the purpose of the law was to keep me from destroying myself until ultimately I could be placed in the hands of faith, in the hands of Jesus, in the hands of grace. And that spirit will cause me to live a life that I could never accomplish by trying to keep the law on my own. It also delivers me from trying to be saved by my own good works. Okay? So Paul then says, what shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We've been set free from the power of that old master. That power has been broken. Now we're in the hands of the new man. We've got a new master. The last Adam is my master now. Okay? And from that last Adam comes life, spiritual life. The first Adam is soulish. The last Adam is spirit. Do you understand? Spiritual life flows from me. Now, let's go over to Jude and let me show you something. Boy, they are smooth talkers too, man. These so-called pulpiteers, these so-called preachers. They are as smooth as they can be. Watch what Jude says in verse 4. It'd be like a preacher, you know, somebody getting converted, getting born again, and that preacher looking at him said, okay, it doesn't matter what you do now. You're saved, and it doesn't matter. Don't worry about anything. And just go out and live like you used to, and everything will be okay, because the grace of God will cover it. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it, to the flesh? But it's his lie from hell. It's smooth, man. Smooth. Okay, smooth talkers, boy. Telling you, I, listen, I heard one other day, they were interviewing him because he's got such a large church. It made me sick, man. I'm just telling you, they, anyway, that's my deal. Y'all don't have to worry about that. But Jude verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares. 
who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. They don't preach holiness. They don't preach godliness. And, and so, you know, when you talk about ungodliness, that means to live an ungodly life or to live an unholy life. A life that's not set apart to God. And they, there are some who've crept in and it's condemned by God. They are ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness means unrestrained. So since you're under the grace of God, you don't have to worry about being restrained. You don't have to live, worry about living holy. You don't have to worry about living separated to God. Do what you want to do. Live a life of unrestraint. And, and lasciviousness not only doesn't mean a life of unrestraint. It also means a life with no remorse. They use grace. Say, I'm under grace. So if there's sin and wrongdoing in that person's life, there's no remorse. They're not <clears throat> repentant. They're not, they don't have a godly sorrow over that sin and that sinful lifestyle. They don't understand. They're going straight to hell. But to tickle the flesh, to make the flesh feel good, use the grace card. But grace is not disgrace. Grace, it, there's a lot of things that grace isn't. One thing it's not is ungodliness and unholiness. It does not give you the license to live in unrestrained sin. A life that, that doesn't have remorse. If you can live that life, you know, out there in the world, unrestrained, you know, not living for God. Are you here? No remorse. Then you are very, you are in great danger. Great danger. You, because most people who are out there are going to say they're saved. Yeah, they may be backslid away from God. You can't backslide away from God without first having been drawn nigh to God. And I'm not preaching down on you. I'm preaching to me too because I could backslide. Because it depends on what I know, what I consider, and what I yield myself to. And if I can live in a habitual lifestyle of sin and ungodliness and worldliness, I'm not saved. I can deceive myself and use grace, you know, as an excuse. But then the Bible tells us about people like that. It says in verse 4, they are condemned. They are ungodly men. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And when they do that, they deny the only Lord God. They deny Him. And are even our Lord Jesus Christ. There is, they are rejecting the Lord. They are denying Him when they live a, a lifestyle, a habitual lifestyle of ungodliness and sin. Do you understand? And then again, the grace of God, you know. Uh, deception. Deception is rampant in that mindset. If your evil inclination comes to you, that old master comes to you and says, it's okay to sin. Grace of God will cover it. <laughs> you don't listen to that evil inclination. You don't listen to that old nature. You don't listen to that sin nature. Do you understand? 
Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the world we live in today. Now, so when you come into the kingdom of God, there's been a death that's taken place. You don't try to uh, modify the old man. There are, you know, hundreds of people today sitting in churches and church pews today who ha- think they're saved because they've turned over a new leaf, so to speak, whatever that means. I hope I'm not into some new age thing. But they say they've turned over a new leaf, you know, they've got a New Year's resolution, you know, and I, I'm giving up that and I'm quitting that and, you know, I'm not. Okay, well, what they try to do is they try to modify the old man. You can't modify the old master. You can't modify the evil inclination. You can't modify the old man. It's impossible. There has to be a death to him. There has to be a regeneration, a new birth that takes place. You can't modify him. He's still inside of me. I can't modify him. I can't change him for the better. You can't change that old man for the better. It is impossible. That old man is a sin nature. And it's very, very powerful and it's very strong. Okay? All right. We've got to have regeneration. There has to be a death. We have to be free from that old master. And the Bible tells us how that's done. It's in the new birth. Now, because of that, now we live a new life of holiness unto God. It's not unconditional eternal security. It's not. It is conditional. Okay? Verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, who's your new master? Because positionally you've already been made holy. Positionally you've already been set apart to God, to the new master, at the new birth. And the power of sin is broken in your life. Do you know that? Look at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Do you know that? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's that old sin nature. Do you know that? Look at verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. If that's the case, then it's also true that death or sin doesn't have dominion over us anymore. Verse 9, knowing that. Do you know that? Verse 11, likewise, reckon or consider or confess ye also yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So number one, there's something you've got to know. You have to have a revelation of it. Not just facts. You can have facts, but do you have a revelation of it? Do you know it? Deception, when Satan comes to anybody... When he comes to you, he comes to deceive you. That's how he works. He works to deceive us. What he does is the word deception. When he came to Adam and Eve in the garden, when when, when he deceived Eve, the word deceive, it means to make you forget. So when he comes, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, or if he comes to you today, he comes to you while you're in church this morning. If he comes to you, he comes to deceive you. Why? To take control of you. He wants to master you. And the way he does that, the way he seeks to take control back in your life, 
is through deception. And deception means to make, to forget. So Satan comes and he tries to make you forget what God has done for you. He tries to make you forget that you're a new creation. He tries to make you forget the promises of God. He tries to make you forget the word of God. So when he deceives, his whole purpose is to make you forget. Why? Because he wants you to believe that you can do it yourself. That you can be your own master. Do you understand? That you are self-made, honey. And you don't need God and you don't need anybody. You're self-made. That is deception. And the only way I'll ever start believing that myself is if he deceives me and I start forgetting what God has done. I forget that I'm a new creation. I forget the promises of God. I forget that I cannot do it myself. That I need God. I need his word. I need his church. I need his spirit. I need prayer. I need a, a you know... If you're a saint of God, you need a man of God in your life. You need a pastor. You need to yield yourself to that. But you have to, that, so that's why Paul uses no so much here. He says you've got to get a revelation because the enemy wants to deceive you, cause you to forget, to make you forget and think that you can do it. So he says get a revelation of what happened to you at, at your new birth. You're a new person. You're not that old person. We buried in that water. There's been a death. The power of sin is broken in your life. You don't have to, to live that way anymore. If you do, it's because you don't know. And you're not considering. And you're not yielding to the right master. Before you got born again, you were under the power of that old master. And you couldn't live separate from it if you wanted to. Because it controlled your life. That force, that power controlled your thinking your whole life but now that you're born again he says now you don't have to yield to that but you got to know it you got to get a revelation of it stop walking in deception giving yourself the, a license to live unholy stop giving yourself a license to live ungodly stop doing that Paul said God forbid that we would think that the grace of God abounds by our continually living in disobedience to God's word. That is a deception from the enemy. And it will take you or I to hell with him. Lord, I don't want to give myself an excuse to sin and to live unholy and ungodly. And put myself under that power again. Under that control again? So I've got to know. I've got to get a revelation. I can't walk in deception. I can't let the enemy deceive me. I can't deceive myself. I've now, now got to reckon myself as the word of God says here in verse 11. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead. I have to consider. I'm dead. My sin nature is dead. Uh, in the sense there's been a separation. It's power has been broken in my life. Okay, so I reckon that, I consider that, I confess that, I believe that. And then, after I reckon it, then I must yield to that, okay? Likewise, reckon you also yourself to be dead indeed in a sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members. Yield. No reckon and yield. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So now he says, because of who you are, yield to that. Live that. Be under its control. Now I brought this little robot up here to show y'all today. This is my, my son's robot. And my sister bought this for him. And it's really pretty neat. Now, let me explain something to you. There are two spirits. There are two ways uh, that you have to understand that are in you and in this world. This old age. The spirit of sin and death and the spirit of God. The spirit of sin, the spirit of God. The spirit controls. See, this thing does not move by itself. It is controlled by a remote control. Anything that you or I do, it wasn't something that we did by ourselves. There is something behind the movement. All right, all right. What is behind the movement is the remote control. All right, all right. Amen. In, in our case, it's the spirit. So it's either the spirit of sin that is moving me. All right, all right. The power of sin is controlling my life. Or the spirit of God is controlling my life. Okay. In, the, in, these, in this context here. But there are four spirits in the word of God. Right. Number one. The spirit of man. The spirit of man. Okay. Now you can go through life. And just simply be led by the spirit of man. But the spirit of man until it gets regenerated. Is in the power of death. The spirit of man then. Your spirit tells you what to do. Okay, I know your mind, but your spirit, your spirit controls you. Let me put it that way. Your spirit controls you. So the spirit of man, if you just let your spirit control you, then you'll be lost. Then there is the spirit of God. So what we have to do is we have to say, not my will not the will of my spirit be done, but thy will be done. So I undo my will, the will of my human spirit, to do the will of God's spirit. Do you understand? I submit my spirit to his spirit. Okay? There is a third spirit. It is angels. Angels are spirits. Angels come along to help you and to strengthen you in your yielding and in your service to the Spirit of God. When Jesus is in the garden praying, He is wrestling with His Spirit. His Spirit, His human Spirit doesn't want to go and die. It doesn't want to die. You understand? Sometimes your Spirit doesn't want to do the will of God. 
So Jesus is wrestling. His human spirit doesn't want to die. So he says, not my will be done, but your will be done. He says, I'm submitting my human spirit to the spirit of God. His will be done. And the will of the Father was for him to go and die on the cross. His human spirit did not want to do that. But he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And what happened? The Bible says the angels came and ministered to him. Strengthened him in that garden to fulfill the will of God and not the will of his spirit. That's where the struggle is and everybody here. We can all come in here and look pretty and fancy and cute. But ultimately, everything we do is controlled by a spirit. Either my life is controlled by the human spirit or it's controlled by the spirit of God. And the angels come and strengthen me to fulfill the will of the spirit of God and not my will. On the other hand, the fourth spirit is demonic spirits. And demonic spirits come to you. To try to make you submit to them. Make you bow to them. They are real. They are active. So everything we do, we don't do on our own. It is controlled by a spirit. You are and I am this morning controlled by a spirit. Everything, every movement is controlled by a spirit. This hand didn't just do what it wanted to do on its own. You with me here? If I do this, if I'm moving, if I'm walking here, what is causing that movement? A control. A controller. Tell him to be quiet. I turned him on. Everything you do, all action, all movement is controlled by a spirit. Today, you're controlled by your human spirit. You're controlled by the spirit of God. Or you, and, and you're controlled by angels. Or you are controlled by demons. You with me? Because you are controlled by something. Your thoughts are controlled right now by the Spirit of God or by your spirit, the de- demonic. Are you here? You are, my point is you are controlled by a spirit. You don't just do it on your own. A spirit is causing the action. So anything that you do, anything that you say is controlled by a spirit. There's a spirit behind it. Anything that is said or done by anybody out in that world, you must recognize that it's not just them. They are controlled. Everything they're saying, everything they're doing, everything they're thinking is controlled by a spirit. They're either controlled by their own spirit, humanism, or they're controlled by a demonic spirit, which those two go together. Are are you with me? Or they're controlled by the Spirit of God and the angels of the Lord. Everybody in here, and I look at you, and you look wonderful today. You look nice. You've dressed nicely, you know, and all of this stuff. But everybody in here, you've got a spirit behind you. 
Now, because you have a spirit behind you, that spirit is controlling you. That is why it's very dangerous for you to put your hands into the control of a sinner. Because if you put the control of your life in the hands of a sinner, don't let everybody get their hands on you. Don't let everybody lay their hands on you. Don't let everybody touch you. Don't let everybody talk into your spirit. Don't let everybody put words in your ears. Don't listen to it. You see them going along the wrong way. You see them controlled by a spirit. Yeah, try to win them to God. But you can very quickly discern what, where this is coming from. What they're saying. What is the motivation behind it? What is the power behind it? What is controlling it? You have got to be careful about letting somebody control you. By what they say or by what they do. Because they'll mess with your mind. They are literally injecting. They are putting their seed in you. They are, come on somebody. They are putting their spirit in you. You take on the actions and the appearance of people that you listen to. Because they are putting their spirit in you. You are being, so if you let everybody get their hands on you, then the person that put their hands on you could destroy you. Why? Because they are controlled by a spirit themselves. You put the control in their hands. This is a command unit right here. I'm trying to tell you. See, your pastor tells you certain things not because, you know, he's trying to, to master you or control your life. There are some things he tells you because he knows that there are spirits behind everything. And, and sometimes he warns you, don't listen to that junk. Don't, listen. don't get in that company of that person. Don't, don't get in fellowship with them. Don't go there because their spirit will control you. And it'll put, come on, you will come under their control. And if you let yourself come under their control, then what happens is if you put, your hand, uh, put yourself under the hand of the wrong person, they'll kill you. They'll destroy you because they're motivated by a spirit. See, if you're not careful, you just look at everybody in the flesh. But we don't look at everybody in the flesh. You have to look at them in the spirit. Because the spirit controls them. Four spirits. Start with God's spirit, human spirit, angels, and the demonic. You are controlled by a spirit. I am controlled by a spirit this morning. You are controlled by a spirit this morning. Everything you do is controlled by a spirit. The spirit is the remote controller. The remote control is the command unit. In order for this to operate, there has to be a command unit. There has to be a receiver. Here's the command unit, the spirit, okay? This is the receiver, and I'm the operator. You understand? 
So in order for this thing to walk, he probably, he probably went to sleep on me. Stop doing your own thing. Okay. In order for this robot to walk forward, I have to send a signal from the command, from the uh, command unit. Now I can stop him. Hold on. I can stop him. But I'm giving him signals from this command unit. He's not doing his own thing. I know he thinks he is, but he's not. I have control of him. See what I'm saying? Now I can make him move his hands, his arms. Okay? And I can shut him down. So the whole point that Paul is talking about in these passages here is, who are you yielding control to? Who's given the signal that's causing the direction? Would you just lift your hand and do that? Your spirit, okay. You got a direction. You obey that direction. You lifted your hand. But the spirit, my spirit, to your spirit, and then you responded to that. Do you understand? Everything is controlled by the spirit. And then there's energy in the movement. There has to be power in this thing for it to move. There has to be a command unit. There has to be a receiver. There has to be an operator. And there has to be energy for it to move. And the energy in this is battery power. So what is the spirit behind you? What is controlling you? What, where are you getting your signals from? Where are you getting your direction from? What is, your, what is the thing in your life that energizes you? What is the power behind you that makes you move? Because you're not doing it on your own. There's a spirit behind you and there's a power behind you. There's an energy behind you that's causing you to move. Well, it depends on who you yield yourself to. See, the drug addict, because he has yielded himself to control... Of what? Drugs. So drugs is the controlling factor to the drug addict. That is the spirit that controls him is drugs. It's not just the, the physical thing. It's not just uh, the drug itself. There is a spirit in the drug. The alcoholic is controlled by the alcohol. Because the alcohol is not just liquid. They even call alcohol spirits. Because there's spirits behind it. So a, a drug addict is controlled by the spirit of drugs. The alcoholic is controlled by the spirit of alcohol. The, come on somebody. 
So everybody is controlled by something. And it depends on who you yield yourself to as to what spirit is controlling you. You are yielding your human spirit to God and God is controlling you. Or you're yielding your human spirit to the devil and the devil's bringing you under his power. You're yielding yourself to the power of sin. You understand? Now watch what he says here. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Yield yourself to His control. His Spirit. Okay? As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So God is the Spirit, the control of your life. And if he is the control in your life, then the direction you go will be righteousness. Because you have been set apart to him. And because of that, he is your master now. Then because of that, it will be seen in your life that you are living righteous. Because righteous people live righteously. If you don't yield yourself to God, then you yield yourself to the sin nature, the old man. And as a result of that, then the lifestyle, the actions, what you think, what you say, what you do are affected by that spirit. And so all of a sudden, you get these signals. You get this direction. It's coming from a spirit. It's coming from that old man. He's trying to get you to yield to that sin and that temptation. That evil thinking. Why? To make you a bondage, a bond servant again. To, to make you a prisoner of that thing again. Now, so in order for me, let me, let me read a little bit further here. I hope this is getting the point across to you. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. See, the law of sin doesn't control me anymore. He, he just went to sleep. That's kind of spooky, isn't it? For sin shall not have dominion over you. It's not going to control you anymore. It's not the thing that controls you anymore. Your actions. That sin nature, that power, that force doesn't control you anymore. For you are not under the law. We're not talking about the word of God. We're talking about the law of sin. But we're under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law? But under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey. That is the person who controls you. His servants you are to whom you obey. If you yield yourself to sin, then sin is the control in your life. It's the spirit in your life. See? And, and, and if we're not careful, we walk out of here and we come and we hear the word of God over and over and over and over and over. And God convicts you and he deals with your life. And he tells you, that's not right. You're living in sin. But you go back to that same situation over and over and over and over. You don't understand that you're under the power of a person. 
the power of a spirit in that person, the power of the demonic for you to continue to live in sin. And it's so powerful that you can't break it. You want to stop. You know what you should do. You know how you should live. But there is a controller that's causing you to move and do things. And why that is, is because you've yielded to that master, to that operator. To that controller. So you can't blame. You can't, I can't blame. Can't point the finger. Because it's who I yield myself to. It's what spirit I yield myself to. See, everything is not genetic. There's some things that are demonic. Now, you go to a psychologist, they'll sit down and talk to you and, you know, try to modify the old man, try to straighten you out, you know, and, and say, that's just, it's just genetic, you know. You know what I mean? Um, no, it's spiritual. Spiritual. So that's one aspect they leave out the spirit. The Spirit controls everything. Watch this. Watch what Paul says. Okay. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have observed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Yes, hallelujah. Do you understand? Okay. So the Spirit controls us, but the energy behind the movement is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You, what, you understand what I'm saying? I talked to you last week. I gave you historical fact that in this century 500 million people have been baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in, in this century alone okay and I talked to you a little bit about the different movements but what makes us different from anybody else in the world we walk I'm saying we as a church and other classical Pentecostal people what makes us different from anybody else is that we walk in more gospel truth than anybody else in the world You, I read just the other day in the newspaper, nominal, the nominal Christian world is losing members. They don't know where to go. So they're, they're going over here and getting their houses. They're going over here, you know. They're, they're, just, they don't, they're getting away from the church world as a whole, nominal Christianity, because it's not meeting the need. It is not, it's not preaching the truth to them. They, it's losing its steam. It's losing its energy. It's losing its power. The nominal world. But in the, in the book, I'll tell you about this one, this century of the Holy Spirit, okay, by Vincent Sion. He has written, he said that this movement of the Holy Spirit is not decelerating or losing steam. It is accelerating with time. Why are we continually moving and not losing power or not losing steam? Why is that? Because of what energizes us. What energizes us, number one, is that we're filled with the Holy Ghost. But that's not all. We can define ourselves in the word of the Lord. 
Everything that we believe, we can show it to you in this book. Everything. There is not one thing that I preach that I can't show it to you in this book. And that's why we are energized and that's why we keep moving like we do. And we're not losing steam. It's because of the energy behind us. It is spirit and it is doctrine. The spirit is the energy behind this. Not just emotion. Not just excitement. What keeps us moving is the spirit and the truth. We can define ourselves by the word of God. We are distinct. Number three, we are a distinct people. We're different. If you lose your difference, your separation, then you will become extinct. Either you stay distinct as a group or you will become extinct. What marks you then is the spirit of God, the doctrine you preach, one God. Baptism in Jesus' name. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues. And then your separation. Your holiness. Defines you as a distinct people. Now you ever stop being distinct. And you stop being definable. Then you will become extinct. You'll become just like the rest of the groups in the world today. And they're losing their power. Because they can't define themselves. They can't find themselves. See, we posture ourselves in the Word of God. That is what energizes us. So he tells us here, watch this. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you observe from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. That is what has kept you going. Is the spirit and the truth that you have. The doctrine. Now watch what else he says. I'm staying in the book here. Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Listen you yield yourself to uncleanness. You yield yourself to sin, and it goes from one sin to another sin to another sin to another sin. It never stops. Because the moment that that spirit begins to control you, the spirit of the old man or the demonic starts coming and talking to you, the moment you yield to that, it will tell you, oh, just a little sin won't hurt. Just give in to a little pornography. Just give in to a little of this. Just give a little bit of, into a little bit of that. Just give, give a little, just take a little drink of that beer. Just take a, come on, just, just stay away from church one time. Just stay away from church one time. Oh, don't pray anymore. Come on, somebody. Don't pray today. Don't pray tomorrow. And, and so that voice, that controller comes to you. And it tells you that. And you say, okay, I can handle just a little bit of sin. Well, you have yielded yourself to that master. And what happens is you will find out that that master is never satisfied with one little sin. He gets you to sin that one time, then the next time it'll be more. It'll have to be more. It'll have to be more. He'll tell you, oh, just miss church one time. And then guess what? You're not just going to miss church one time. Then you're going to start missing over and over and over and over. Don't pray. 
Okay, I won't pray. I'll just quit. I'll just not pray for a week. And then pretty soon it goes to two weeks and three weeks and a month. And pretty soon you're not praying at all. You're not going to church at all. You're not reading the Bible at all. You're in the world. Because if you yield yourself to sin, sin goes from sin to sin. Lawlessness increases. Come on, church. You don't understand. I'm trying to save you, your soul from hell. God, some of you are so, you're so bound to sin and the lies and the deception of this world that spirit controls you. You don't understand. People don't understand. I'm telling you, they don't understand. What, what makes them do what they do is the spirit behind it, the age behind it, the demonic behind it, or God and his word. And they're not opposites. God is not the opposite of the devil. <laughs> Righteousness is not the opposite of sin. Do you understand that? I'm telling you. Everything I do, everything I watch, everything I read, everything I see, everything I do. When I comb my hair a certain way. When I dress a certain way. Come on. The modesty or the immodesty. The lack of modesty is telling, come on, you know what it tells me? There's a spirit behind them. Something's got a hold of them. It's got a hold of their thinking. And so you're going to be conformed to, the, to this age. You're going to get your direction, your instruction, your cues from the command unit of this world. They're going to tell you how to dress. They're going to tell you what you should look like. They're going to tell you what you should wear. They're going to tell you how to wear your hair. They're going to tell you what to do with your face. They're going to tell you, you know what it is? It's a spirit and it's controlling you. But you don't understand that. And then so you've got, and then you've got pastors behind the pulpit that won't preach this. And because of that, now they say, well, you know, we're just going to let everybody just kind of do their own thing. And, and, and we just hope and pray that they do what's right. You're an idiot. They're not going to do what's right because they are controlled by a spirit. And if you don't preach it, if you don't impart into their life, if you don't give them doctrine, if you don't give them the instruction, if you don't send from the command unit, from God himself, the truth, they're not going to just automatically do it. They're going to yield to the master, to the control, to the spirit of this age. It's impossible. It's impossible. You understand? See, I, every time I preach, there is a spirit that is involved. Every time I preach. Do you understand? So I can get up here and I can, I can send the wrong signal. You know, if this, if this thing doesn't operate right... Number one, there could be some interference. Do you notice me? I had to change my position. A while ago, I was trying to get it to move, and it wouldn't move. So I had to change my position. There was something interfering with the frequency here. See? And you may be a child of God this morning, all right? And you may know the truth, and you may reckon yourself dead or separated from the power of sin. But... There could be something that's hindering the signal. Something that's interfering with your movement in righteousness. 
And you're saying, what's wrong? There's an interference. What's wrong? There's a wrong frequency. I'm not in tune with the right frequency. Either it's interference or I'm in tune with the wrong spirit. And so the Spirit of God in me is grieved. And I wonder, what's wrong with me? The Spirit of God's grieved. Because you've let some interference come in there. You've let a wrong frequency start speaking into your spirit. The spirit of this age. That antichrist spirit. Speak into your spirit. I pray you get this. Everything everything that's done in this world is motivated and directed by a spirit. Controlled by a spirit. Hollywood is controlled by a spirit. Athletics is controlled by a spirit. This church is controlled by a spirit. Education is controlled by a spirit. Everything, economics is controlled by a spirit. And I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just telling you that everything is controlled by a spirit. So we're as a church, are we getting our signal from? Are we getting our signal from the world? Or are we getting our signal from God and His Word? Lord, help me. To, what? I'm beating my head against the wall. I'm up against it this morning. But I don't care. Because I've got to get you to understand this. We don't do anything by ourselves. There is something behind the thought. Something behind the action. People say, I just can't, I just can't live for God. No, you won't live for God. It's not that you can't live for God, it's you won't live for God. Because all you gotta do is just do what your spirit says. Well, I can't praise the Lord today. Yes, you can. Depend on what spirit you're under the control of. If you want to be carnal and lukewarm, then you will be. If you want to be on fire, then you will be. Because you're going to yield to that spirit. Do you get this? I know I'm trying to have church. Some of you are trying to keep this as a Bible study. I didn't come here to teach you a Bible study. I came here to impact your life with something that you need. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Unto iniquity, watch. To iniquity, unto iniquity. It can't get enough. That power of sin can't get enough. So it leads you into greater sin. And pretty soon you end in defeat. You're defeated, you're discouraged, you're depressed. Because that produces death and not life. Self-righteousness has a spirit behind it. We need to live holy. But you know what it is? It's yielding to God. It's being a set apart unto God. Yielding to His Spirit. Yielding to His will. You know how you put to death that old man that's already been put to death? By refusing to give in, give in to its prompting. Amen. Refuse to do what it wants you to do. That's how you kill it. 
and it raises up its head and it wants to control you. No, I'm not going to do that. But then it'll say, you don't have a choice. Yes, you do. That's what this, this chapter's telling you. You've got a choice. You can know. You can, you can know. You can consider. You can reckon yourself dead to that. You can yield yourself to God, to righteousness. The, end of the sin nature says, no, I've got you in my power. You can't resist me. Yes, you can. That's the good news. The, the good news is, yes, you can make it. You can make it. You can overcome. Yes, you can live this life. Yes, you can. Because you can yield yourself to the right command. To the right controller. And the only reason why you can yield yourself to the right controller is because there's been a death to that old controller. Every decision I make, there's a battle. Every decision you make, there's a battle. You choose to worship God, there's a battle. You choose to give, there's a battle. You choose to read your Bible, there's a battle. You choose to go to church, there's a battle. So it's not just going to happen automatically. You have got to choose to be an overcomer. You've got to choose to yield yourself to the right spirit. You've got to choose to yield yourself to the right direction. The Word of God. Now, if you do this, you'll keep on moving. You'll keep on moving. And you will never fail. You'll never stumble. Oh, that's hard for you to believe. You won't. You might come into the power of something from time to time. But you have the ability to break out of that. You have the ability to rise above that failure. You have the ability. I'm not going to stay down. I'm coming back up. So he tells us then that we go from iniqu into to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto what? Holiness. This whole book, Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, is written to the saints in Rome. It is written to the holy ones. It's not written to the people in this age telling them how to get saved. It is written to the holy ones explaining their salvation explaining what has changed in their life telling them what difference has taken place so now we give ourselves to holiness and, and this, this is in some, some area becoming a dying message are you here? even in apostolic Pentecostal circles even in classical Pentecostal circles, the message of holiness is becoming a message that's not heard much anymore. But I'm telling you, friend, this is the result of yielding to the right control. Being a distinct people, a definable people, a people who are yielding to the right spirit. Not the spirit of this age, but the spirit of the living God. And if I ever come under power to that other spirit, it's because I'm being deceived. I'm forgetting who I am now. I'm forgetting what God has delivered me from. I'm forgetting the promises He's made to me. 
I'm forgetting. The enemy comes and say, oh boy, it wouldn't be fun to live out in the world again. You know what? For me, for me to swallow that and to listen to that lie and to go back to that world means I forgot what I was in. I forgot the hell I was in. I forgot the bondage I was in. I forgot the despair I was in. I forgot the destruction. I forgot the death. There was no life in that. And for me to go back to that means I had to listen to a lie. And that's the enemy. He wants, he wants to control your life. Make you forget. Try to paint. Tell you how wonderful it was that before Jesus. Are you funny? Was it wonderful? It was miserable. It was, it was. We were headed for hell. We were lost in sin. We were in bondage to a power. That was controlling my life. And so now. Now that I've got the Spirit of God in me and I've been, I died there at baptism, now I've got the power to live. The life of what? Not bondage, but the life of holiness. And the life of holiness is freedom. It's declaring to everybody, I'm free from that old age. I'm free from that old fashion. I'm free from the world. I'm free from sin. I'm free from the power of death and hell. I'm free from it. I'm a new creation. I'm free to serve God. You're a slave. That's right. I'm a slave to Jesus. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a fool for Christ's sake. You call me a fool. Go ahead. I'm a fool for Christ's sake. Members, I yield my members to that Spirit of God. To righteousness unto holiness. Holiness is beautiful, man. It's the most awesome thing you can be a part of. The world wants to bring you into its power. Wants you to bow its knee, your knee to it. No, no. There's another Spirit controlling me. Spirit of God is controlling me. The Word of God the doctrine I believe, controlling me. Holiness defines me. Holiness makes me distinct. Holiness. Come on. Does not put me in bondage. Holiness set me free. Set me free from trying to be like the world. Set me free from trying to act like the world. Set me free from it. Do you understand these things? Holiness. Verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, that power of sin, you were free from righteousness. You yielded yourself to the devil. You yielded yourself to the flesh. You yielded yourself to sin. When I say flesh, I'm talking about sin. You lived that way and bragged about it. Boasted about it. Come on. Anybody here out, out there that was like that? Looking for an answer. Looking for a way to escape the problem. 
One addiction after another addiction. One bondage after another bondage. Trying to find freedom. And so just as in the past you yielded yourself to that old lifestyle. And yielded yourself to sin. Now yield to righteousness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become the servants to God. Got a new controller. You have your benefit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So just as you used to, you had to yield yourself to sin. When you took that drink to your lips, you hated it. Didn't even like the taste of it. But you know what you said? Mm, I'm going to force myself. And you drank it. When you took that first cigarette, and you coughed your, you know, your whole body is saying, but you kept doing it. You kept doing it. You kept, you kept yielding yourself to that cigarette. You kept yielding yourself to that whiskey. Till, under, till at some point you could tolerate it. You know, because it was, it was your way, your escape mechanism. <laughs> so now when you come to God, you have to yield yourself to God, to the Spirit of God. He has to be in control of your life now. And when you do, your flesh gets angry. You make that old man fat and mad when you say yes to God and no to the flesh. He wants his way. So literally, he gets angry. He gets fat and mad when you yield to God. See? And so, when you come in the kingdom of God, you're under new control right now. You're getting a different direction now. You're getting a different signal now. You're living by a new master now. And because of that, you have to know, you have to, uh, you have to uh, uh, consider, and you have to yield. You understand? Which means this. Now, yield yourself to righteousness. Which means this. You got to pray. How do you yield yourself, servants to God, unto righteousness? How do you do that? You pray. You stay in the Word of God. You worship. You go to the house of the Lord to hear the Word of God preached. You submit yourself to godly leadership. When you don't want to and you're fighting and you're resisting and you don't even like that. What that man said, you don't even... Come on. But you keep doing that because... Why? Why do you keep praying? Why do you keep coming to church? Why do you keep worshiping? Why do you keep reading your Bible? Why do you keep winning souls? Why do you keep living holy? Why do you say no to the world and yes to God? Because you're yielding yourself to a control. Why do you, people, people in the world are going to say, why do you always go to church? Why do you always pray? Why do you worship? Why are you always up at the house of God all the time? Why do you give like that? Why? I'm yielding my life to God.
And here comes that voice says, no, come on. Back off. Oh, Lord. Say, I'm not going to preach my message tonight. I would like to preach my message tonight. I'm not going to preach my message tonight. Come, come tonight and hear what I'm going to preach. <laughs> I think it will help you. Notice what he says. Verse 21. What fruit or what benefit had you in those things whereof you're now ashamed? Look at your life. What benefit did it give you? Did it give you any benefit when you were smoking those cigarettes? Did it give you any benefit when you were smoking that dope? Did it give you any benefit when you were drinking that whiskey and that, come on, that alcohol? Did it give you any benefit when you just gave yourself to the world and the passions of sin? What benefit did it give you? What did it do for you? Next time the world comes around you and it tells you how you're in bondage and all this stuff, you know. Ask them a question. What benefit are you getting from your life? What benefit are you getting out of your lifestyle? At the end of your life, your lungs, you're full of cancer. <laughs> Come on. Your liver, you don't have a liver anymore. Or you have to carry an oxygen bottle around with you for the last years of your life. Do you understand what we're trying to say? Paul is asking, what benefit? Destruction, death, bitterness, hatred. And ultimately, hell. What benefit do you get when you live for God? Oh man, peace, salvation, eternal life. Victory over myself. Victory over hell. Victory over the devil. Victory over sin. Victory over bondage. That's the benefit I get. Seeing my children someday living a life that's wholesome and godly. Protecting my children from hell that's in this world. A short life. The benefits go on and on and on and on living for God. But the ultimate benefit is eternal life. Oh, you think people are willing to, to, to be fed to the lions? Willing to be beheaded for Jesus Christ. Saying no to this world. Saying yes to the eternal world. You know why? Because they knew the benefits. <laughs> is it easy? No. I'm just going to tell you right now. It is not easy living this life. If you live hard for God, it's going to be easy. But if you try to live easy for God, it's going to be hard. So you might as well just jump in here and yield your whole life to God. Because the benefits. Verse 21. What fruit, the Greek word literally means benefit, had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed. How many of you are ashamed of your sinful past? How many of you are ashamed even when you fail now? When, when you come under that power, that, that old sin nature, you're ashamed of that. That means there's been a change. Used to, you enjoyed it, celebrated it. Now you're ashamed of it. Don't even want to talk about it. For the end of those things is what? Death. That's the so-called benefit of that kind of lifestyle. Death. 
But now being made free from sin, become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. And what is the end result of living a holy life? A yielded life to God. What is the benefit? Everlasting life. That's the benefit of living a sanctified, set apart life unto God. Set apart from sin. You've got a choice. You can yield your life to the world. You can yield your life to the power of sin. And the end result will be death. Or you can choose to live for God. And live separated to God. And separated from, the, from sin. And the end result is everlasting life. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. You have been set apart at the new birth. And now it is a process of being set apart. An ongoing purification that he's talking about here. Which means choice. Choice. Make choices every day. You made a choice this morning. You could have made a choice to stay home. You made a choice to go to the house of God. What is the central focus of your life? That is your master. What is your focus in life? That is your master. You can use anything in this life to so-called justify your reason for not living for God, not going to church. But what you yield yourself to is your master. It's what controls your life. It's what controls your actions. It's what controls what you think, what you do, where you go. Holiness, though. I'm set apart to God. And sometimes I find myself giving in to that old man. But I don't have to keep walking with him. I can, no, I'm going to walk under the control of the Spirit of God. I'm going to be energized by the Word of God. I'm going to be distinct in my holiness unto God. I'm going to be a definable person. And as long as you are that, you will make it. He just told you you would. You don't have to worry about, am I going to heaven? He said, you yield yourself to the right controller. You yield yourself to the right spirit. That will produce the right actions in your life. A lifestyle of holiness. And that will automatically produce eternal life. You don't even have to worry about the end of the story. If you get that right, you're going to make it. You will be there. It's automatic. If you fulfill this. But you have to choose the right thing. And so do I. I'm here by choice. I don't have to be here. I know you think I have to be here. But I don't have to be here. I am here by choice. You're here by choice. You don't have to be here. That old voice comes to you. Why do you put up with that? That word that's so strong. You know why you. You don't have to put up with that. Why do you do that? Choose to. I don't have to preach it like that. I can get over here and give you a philosophical message, humanistic message, and make your make your flesh feel so good. But ooh, man, I, oh, I love myself, you know. <laughs> make you all out here just hugging yourself, man. You, see, I'm not as stupid as you think I can am. I I, I could do that. 
you know, and dismiss church. Everybody's so happy. Run up there, give me big hugs. You know, oh, pastor, thank you. Just help me. I feel so good about myself, God. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I, you know, I could do that, but I choose to tell you the truth because there's a spirit behind everything. How many of y'all want to live for God? Benefit eternal life. Well, I better, I better finish reading that. I, I just, I have chosen, I have decided as a pastor to preach the truth. No matter what the cost. I chose it. I chose it. And there's been a price. I've paid a price for that. But you know what? This is what's going to set you free. This is what's going to set you free. And when I look at your life and I see you growing and maturing and you got victory in your life and you're living powerful in God and power, you have power over sin. That's all I need. That's all I need. I don't have to worry about going out there in the world and catching some of you. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the truth. The people I pastor, I'm not worried about catching them. Mm-mm. If you're here, you mean business. Because <laughs> if you didn't mean business, you wouldn't be in this church, I promise you. <laughs>
And my flesh, that old fallen nature, screams for dominion over me. You with me? If you would be honest, you'd say the same thing. But it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. To gratify that flesh just for a minute. To give in just for a minute. It's not worth it. Eternal life. See, you can't just look at things in the immediate. You have to make decisions that affect long term. Not just the temporary immediate, but long term. Everything you choose to do, everything, everything you yield yourself to. Yeah, I love it. Listen to this. Every action you do, every word you say, everything you think is a part of the whole sum of your destiny. Do you understand? Every time you pray, you have a sum, the end of the matter, the sum of all the equation. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across to you? You do this, that's a part of the whole sum. That's what Paul is saying. You yield yourself to sin. That's a part. The end result, the sum of the equation is death. Hell. Every time you yield yourself to holiness, to righteousness, living for God, yielding yourself to the control of the Spirit of God, letting His Word direct your path, yielding to that, that is Let's put it this way. A number in the equation. And at the end of the equation, it'll all equal this. It'll equal damnation or it will equal eternal life. So every time I come to the house of God, it's one more thing in the equation. Every time I pray, I'm making a deposit against that day. You understand? I'm making a deposit against that day. Eternity. If I'm praying, guess what? I'm adding to the equation. And what's going to come out, what it's going to equal is eternal life. Every time I yield to sin, sin says, I want more, I want more, I want more. And so you keep adding to the equation the sin, the failure, the falling, the stumbling. And pretty soon, if you keep adding enough to that equation, the end result is death. That's what it equals to. And so if we could look at it that way, it's, it's a, it helps me understand. Well, yeah, what is it? What is one, one day of missing one day of prayer? And, and, and I've missed a day or two of prayer. And, and it, it affects you. It affects the summation. It affects the equation. Ah, so what if I miss a, miss a service? So what if I don't read my Bible? So what? Ah, I let in a little bit sin. So what? Friend, you need to understand that all of those are numbers that are adding up. And eventually, we pray to God they add up to eternal life. Not that you're working for salvation, but because you are saved. You are living a lifestyle. The end result of holiness is everlasting life. You can't be saved and live in habitual sin. You can't be saved and be under the power of sin. The way you live is the way you die. If you live holy, you live righteous, you live godly, 
You live set apart unto God and separated from sin. That's the way you're going to die. Everlasting life. If you live ungodly, unholy, worldly, carnal, sinful. The end result is death. See it? And it's your choice. I can't live it for you. Nobody here can do it for you. I can't make you do it. And God won't make you do it. Your choice, my choice, as to what direction I'm going to lead my life. Lead my life to the broad way that leads to destruction. Or the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal life. Who controls me? God's Spirit, is He controlling me? If He's controlling me, then He's the operator. And if He's the operator, and I'm the receiver, if I'm receiving correctly, I'm receiving His direction. I'm receiving His instruction. And that produces my action. The Spirit behind everything. Praise God. Everything. How do you think you determine what you're going to eat today? Well, we're fasting today. <laughs> Again, that's a choice. You can choose to fast today or you can choose to eat. I can't make you. I can't be over every one of you lie. Hey, do you eat today? You know, I can't do that. You have to choose. We're fasting today. We're fasting for the church in Taiwan. It's your choice. My point is this. Your spirit tells you, I'm going to fast. Or your spirit says, I'm going to eat. And then if you're going to eat, your spirit tells you what you're going to eat. Where does that information come from? How can you look at a menu and say, okay, I don't want that. Don't want spaghetti. Don't want... Hmm, don't want fried chicken. I'm making you hungry now, aren't I? Don't want chicken steak, chicken fried steak, ribeye, french fries. <laughs> making it hard. Have you ever wondered, where in the world, how in the world do you get the ability to determine what you're going to eat? The spirit behind it. Tell you, everything we do, spirit behind us. I'm going to watch that. Watch that. Not going to watch that. Listen to this. Not going to listen to that. There's a spirit behind it. See? And if we're yielding to the wrong thing, pretty soon it's harder for us to pass that up. Say, oh, I'm not going to watch that. Oh, maybe I'll go back to that. Oh, don't get quiet on me. You hearing what I'm saying? What makes you do that? What makes you take that remote control and... There's a spirit behind it. Everything. Brother Obed, why'd you just put your mouth to your to your, your hand to your mouth? Spirit. Don't even know. Spirit just said, put your hand in your mouth. <laughs> Kissed yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding, brother. Everything. Okay? Who you spend time with. Why do you spend your time with those people? That's in the church. Why do you spend all your time with all those church people all the time? Spirit behind it. You like their spirit. You feel comfortable around their spirit. Your spirit is in agreement with their spirit. Everything is controlled by spirit. Everything, who you hang with, who you don't hang with, what you eat, what you don't eat, what you drink, it's all controlled by a spirit. You pray if you don't pray, there's spirit behind it. Hope you understand. That's what this chapter 6 is talking about. You've got two laws the law of sin and the law of the spirit.
And he says, who are you yielding to? Every time you have a thought, can you control it? Nope, I'm going to think that. Never stop thinking, do you? Even when you're asleep, you're still thinking. One Sunday school teacher in the back told their Sunday school class, you, there's one thing you cannot do, and that's stop thinking. Where are all those thoughts coming from? Some of them are coming from God. Some of them are coming, it's the airways. Gamma rays, all kinds of rays. Radio waves. You know what I'm saying? Ultrasonic rays. Rays everywhere. There's these, this spirit, this control. Spirits everywhere. Everything's controlled by a spirit. Whole universe is controlled by a spirit. Everything behind it. Spirit. Everything. This whole place here is full of rays you can't see. And spirits you can't see. Controlling thoughts, controlling actions, controlling everything you do. That's what that chapter 6 is all about. The remote control. Pastor, they made me do it. Did you hear what you just said? You came under the control of a spirit. You submitted to the control of a spirit. Wow. Sister Laban's pretty heavy, isn't it? Very. You know about the spirit world, don't you? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Everything. And right now, especially in this month, people are observing certain occultic celebrations. And they say... Nothing. It's okay. It's just harmless and it's innocent. Let little Johnny go out there and knock on the door. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a spirit behind it. You are deceived. You are deceived. One sacrifice after another sacrifice leading up to that occultic day. And you think there's nothing wrong with it. You're deceived. Is a satanic occultic celebration. And if you yield yourself to that and let them go, or you go with them, there is a spirit behind it. And you say, there's nothing to it, it's just harmless. Do you see? Everything is controlled by a spirit. More murder. In this time. You with me? Why is there an increase in murder in this month? Because the spirit of death is celebrated. But we are free from the spirit of death. We are free from the spirit of sin. We are free from the power of sin and death. Why am I going to celebrate something that God set me free from? Everything about God is life. Not demonic and devilish and hellish and dark. You need deliverance from the occult. You say, but I'm not a Satanist. Yes, you are. I'll just put it like to, to you right straightforward. If you celebrate that holiday, you are a Satanist. 
you're a Satanist and don't tell me you aren't. Because that, this holiday, what they call a holiday, the, the devil's day. You understand? Halloween is a satanic, occultic celebration. It goes all the way back to the Druids. And for you to participate, you are a Satanist. There's a spirit behind it. I'll tell you what you do. And you pray. You pray for God's spirit to be unleashed. You pray against the, the child sacrifice that takes place on that day. You, you pray against the sacrifice of a woman with child on that day. Yeah, I'm telling you. He's spirit behind it. I wouldn't plan on going off on that, but the Holy Ghost wanted me to say something about that. I'm just telling I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lay it down on this church, in this church right here. If you observe that satanic celebration, you are involved in Satanism, at least for that day. Because that's what it is. What do I do, Pastor? My little kids, they go to school and, and they do this big thing on that day. You know what I did? I held them out. My little girl was even going to a so-called Christian school. So-called Christian school. And they celebrated how, uh, that, this particular satanic celebration. And I said, Victoria, you're not going to school. And they know why she didn't go to school. Because my little girl, my kids are not going to celebrate that satanic celebration. Do you have enough guts? Do you have enough backbone? Do you have enough God to take a stand? Because that's all it is. Satanism. You know what is amazing to me? I, the other, you talk about spirit behind things. We pulled our little girl out of a particular school that she was in, a so-called Christian school. And the so-called priestess of this particular uh, church school, in the newspaper, they have a certain room. And they, she literally said, this is the way we can interact with the dead. We can walk into this room and interact with the dead. And they call themselves Christian. That's necromancy. Necromancy is forbidden in the Word of God. God, Listen, in the Old Testament, you, you practice necromancy, they killed you. And she said that that was the reason for this particular room, so they could interact with the dead. I told my wife, I said, no wonder God had us get her out of that. You with me here? There's a spirit behind it. Spirits. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not afraid of any of them. I'm not looking for one ever, you know, under everything. Who's in the spirit? I'm not like that. I'm not looking for them. I'm not looking for them, but I'm just telling you there's a spirit behind everything. There's a spirit sitting beside you. That's right. Well, we hope it's an angel, sister. <laughs> There's a spirit. Spirit beside you right now. Okay? The whole, all the airways are saturated with it. Spirit of man affects this whole creation. Everything that we do. Spirit back there. <laughs> Everything we do affects this whole creation. When man fell, plunged the whole creation into sin and you have all earthquakes and you have hurricanes you have tornadoes and 
You know, it's a result of the spirit of man out of harmony with God caused the whole creation to convulse until finally we had the, the flood. And the whole earth cracked from the bottom and it just spewed up, spewed up hot water 70 miles into the air. You know what, you know what caused it? The wickedness of man. Spirit. There's a spirit behind everything. Every tornado that comes in, there's a spirit behind it. Every hurricane that comes in, there's a spirit behind it. Don't listen to these naturalists that say there's nothing behind it. That is a lie. Everything is controlled by a spirit. Okay? And I've got some stuff on the way that's going to help you with another so-called Christian holiday. And... Uh, We'll see how many hang around church after we, we give you that information. Because normally after I give you that information, we start decreasing in numbers. <laughs> okay? Spirit behind it all, man. You know what I mean? If it's so, such a Christian, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want you to quit church until you get the information. <laughs> but if it's such a Christian holiday, why can I go to Taiwan? They're celebrating it and none of them know Jesus. Because Jesus isn't in it. There's the spirit behind it. I asked the missionary in Taiwan, I said, if this is such a Christian holiday, then why is everybody here in China celebrating it? And they don't, none of them know Jesus except the ones that's in your church. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> you can't tell me that all those millions of people running the streets in Taiwan are celebrating Jesus. They don't even know his name. Yeah, come on, common sense, man. Okay, there's spirit behind it. See, so whenever you're tempted to use this little phrase, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's so innocent. What's the harm in that? Remember this message. There's spirit behind everything. <laughs> Whose control are you under right now? Whose spell are you under right now? What spirit is over you right now? You ever think about it? You ever wonder why you act like you do certain times? And you know, man, I know I shouldn't be acting like that. You ever wonder why, why you act like that? Spirit. It's a spirit. What caused you and your wife to have the fight on the way to church today? Spirit. What caused your child? Listen, I'm going to get down right down where it is, man. What caused your child to get so sick on a Wednesday instead of a Monday? What caused your child to get sick on a Wednesday instead, instead of a Thursday or a Friday? Why did your child wake up sick on a Sunday morning? Why does something always happen on a church day? Why does all this opposition come when you're trying to consecrate yourself to God and give yourself to God? Why does all of a sudden all this stuff come to you? There's a spirit behind it. See that you walk circumspectly, which means observe what's going on around you. Be aware of the spirits that are around you. Discern them! Man, I'm telling you, as a pastor, I'm telling you, to, to discern, I, discern. God give me the ability to discern every spirit in this house. Every spirit, everybody, everybody. Spirit. 
You can discern my spirit. You can tell where my spirit is. You can tell where my thinking is. Right? Spirit. Everything's controlled by spirit. So it's not just, it's not a matter of us just judging people. You know, judge not lest you be judged, pastor. (laughs) Okay, yeah, whatever. It's not just a matter of just being judgmental. It's a matter of discerning the spirit. Because if, if we can't get you delivered from certain spirits, you will be in hell with all of them. Because at some point, God's going to take every spirit that is not of Him and cast them into hell. So that there is nothing controlling any area of His universe except for Him and Him alone. So if we, if we are not successful, if we're not successful, that means you talk about a price. There is a heavy price on us not being successful. Not discerning your spirit. Not discerning when you're in trouble. Not warning you. Not saying, hey, you better watch out. You know, not praying for you when you should be prayed for. Not calling you when you should be called. That, that's heavy. We have to discern. We have to know. We have to be in tune with the Lord. Because people's souls depend on it. See, you don't realize it, do you? That's why when you, when you take a job, you want to make sure it's God's will. Because you will surround yourself with spirits. You with me? Watch. Everything. Everything. If you're looking for a man, and that's your focus. So all your focus is looking for a man. Guess what? A spirit will supply one. You have to discern what spirit supplied it. Because if you let them in your life, they could destroy you. Is that God? If it's God, it'll lead into holiness. If it's the devil, it'll lead you away from God. You understand what I'm telling you? You have to discern the spirit of that person. Come on. And I want you to know, the enemy, he knows just exactly what you think you need. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, he'll come walking in your life. Woo, man. You know. Same thing with the man. That spirit start working on some woman. Start talking to her. That spirit start talking to a man. Pretty soon they, they're thinking thoughts, thinking thoughts, and they're distant from each other. They're away from each other. But these thoughts are going on. And all of a sudden, that spirit behind it begins to control the action of that person. Pretty soon they're going to come together. There's a certain amount of hours, and I don't have it with me right now, but there's a certain amount of hours that you can spend with the opposite sex just by intimate communication will bring you automatically into touch. Automatically into touch. So you have got to be careful about who you let yourself get around, what spirits you let yourself get around and talk with and communicate with because it will lead to intimacy. You can act like you don't need this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. 
And then pretty soon a connection's made. Where does the connection get connect? The spirit. There is a connection that gets made in the spirit. That's why it's so hard to break it off. Because it's not just physical. It's spiritual connection. My wife and I have become one flesh. We're connected in spirit. We're intertwined in spirit. You've got to be careful. Everything is controlled by a spirit. He showed up at the time. How? Spirit. She showed up just at the time. Of what? Time you're having problems with your wife. She shows up. Time you're having problems with your husband. He shows up. Gives you the attention you want. Gives you the attention you're looking for. At the time. How in the world did that happen? There's a spirit behind it. Your spirit comes out to me right now. Do you know that? Did you know that I, I can tell when I've connected with a congregation? Okay, not just by what you look like. <laughs> not just the eyes you give me. That's not when I know. I know when I've connected with a congregation because there's something that happens in the spirit. Our spirits go outside of our bodies. I don't know if you know that or not. But your, your spirit is not limited to this body. Your spirit goes out. Oh, Lord. I, I don't want to get into strange stuff here, but it's true. And I'm not, I'm not talking necessarily literally. I'm talking about, you know, a connection is made. My spirit goes out to you. Your spirit comes back to me. I'm not reading your mind. I'm discerning your spirit. You're not reading my mind. You're discerning my spirit. The connection is made. When I preach... Spirit goes out. Amen? Amen? Do you hear what we're saying? Everything is controlled by spirit. So be aware of what goes on around you. See, it didn't just happen. It wasn't a coincidence. There was a spirit behind it. The whole creation came as a result of what? The spirit of God. It didn't just happen automatically. Evolution is the biggest lie there is. It didn't just happen. There has to be a spirit behind everything. Amen. Creation came from a spirit of God. It didn't just happen. Planes fly in the air because there's spirits behind them. Planes are put together because of spirits behind it. You can disprove evolution by what I'm preaching. Everything, the spirit behind it, whole world, all the solar system spins and revolves and goes in a circle by the spirit of God. Everything's held in place by the spirit. Everything's created by the spirit. Everything's held in place by the spirit. Mama's got a spirit. Daddy's got a spirit. Brother and sister's got a spirit. You know what I'm talking about? What, what do you do when you first see him? I know I need to let you go. It's getting late. I know the football game's about to start. <laughs> what, what do we do? We see somebody. We look at him. We see him, the flesh. We see what they look like, right? Okay. That's where we miss it. See, 
If you're not careful, you can get intimidated, you can get swept away, you can get mesmerized, you come under people's spell. You're intimidated by them. Why? Because it's not just their physical, there's a spirit in them. There are some people that have very powerful spirits. And man, you just get in their presence and they put you under their control. They have that kind of ability to influence you that way. Because it's not just the physical, there's a spirit, there's power in there, in that spirit. Whether it be the, the spirit of sin, or it be the spirit of God, or your human spirit, demonic spirits, or angelic spirits. There is power in that. So we're not reading people's mind, we're discerning their spirit. My spirit goes out from me, your spirit goes out from you. Sometimes I'll be preaching, and I, I know it's not necessarily a demonic spirit out there, but I feel a spirit come to me. And, and, I, and, and my spirit goes to war with that. It's just like we're getting, boom, we bump, we just. <laughs> I rebuke that spirit. Well, that doesn't mean I, I rebuke the demon. I could be rebuking yours. You understand? And some of you, when I'm preaching, I rebuke that spirit. <laughs> See, it's not just harmless, man. See, my, my physical body's right here, but my spirit's going out there. My influence fills this room. Your influence fills this room. How? Your spirit. Somebody can walk in. I'm going to tell you something. Not long, and I'm going to let you go, but I'm just off on a tangent now. I'm just... I'm on a rabbit trail, you know. But I was in a, and I went to a conference a few years ago. And this man is a powerful man of God. I, I don't think I've ever been in, the, in the, the atmosphere, the presence of a man of God like this. Norman Wagner. And we were all there and, and we went to have this, this uh, supper. Me and Brother Daniel was there and, and have a supper. And, and he was there and this sort of <clears throat> whoever wanted to be a part of it. If you paid the money, you could be a part of it. So anyway, to make a long story shorter... He comes walking in, okay? And uh, I don't know who it's all with him, his bodyguards, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> He's that kind of man, though. And, and he comes walking in. I'll tell you something, man. As soon as he walked in the door, I felt something powerful. There was something awesome. Did you feel it, brother? He, he could just be sitting on the platform, man. Not doing anything. Just sitting on the platform. Listen to those guys preach. The other men he had scheduled to preach. Preach it. And he is so powerful. His spirit is affecting their ministry. I don't know if you can understand that. But it's just moving out of him. And he just he didn't just move a little bit. I'm going, whoa, God, I about fell out of the pew, man. You know what I'm saying? See, I got chills all over my, my body just talking about him. He's, he's got that kind of power in the spirit. Of course, he's walking with God, you know. But, but don't get fooled into thinking that, that witches and, and these so-called people don't have any power in the spirit. They have power in the spirit. It's, it gets much bigger than just their physical body, their geographical location. It reaches out. It affects the society. It affects your home. It affects everything. I'm telling you, man, he walked in the room. And as soon as he did, I knew he did. Because the whole atmosphere changed. So don't think that you are just, 
you know, this physical body that walks around that has no influence on anything, no, no power on anything. That's not true. You've got a very powerful spirit in you. <laughs> if you're a child of God, if we could just look inside of you and see the glorification that's there, it would be so bright it would blind us. It's just veiled by flesh. I can't see your spirit, brother, with my physical eye. But in your spirit, there's a glory that is there that would blind us if we could see it. And when you walk close to God and you yield to God, there's a price that is paid for anointing. There is a price that is paid for influence. Come on, are you here right now? That man I'm talking about, he didn't just get there overnight. That man's been through hell. He's been through all kinds of, in fact, he had just had a heart attack right before the conference. But they prayed him out of that situation into that pulpit. That his church went on a, a prayer and fasting days after days after days for that man of God. And he got out of the hospital. A miracle he got out of the hospital, much less preach. But they prayed and fasted until God's spirit, his power, took him out of that place of sickness. And he preached. And I'm telling you, man, it's awesome. So, it all depends on you. You can choose what master you serve. And if you choose to walk with the Lord in holiness and righteousness... There will be something that takes place in your spirit that will affect, affect nations. It's, impo it's impossible to, that it not go out beyond you. What Jesus did affected the world. His obedience affected the world. Now he lives under God. Which means he lives by God. And he so submitted himself to the will of God that God raised him from the dead. How? By the spirit of holiness the spirit of holiness raised Jesus from the dead it was so powerful what was it why was it powerful because he submitted to the will of the spirit and because he submitted to the will of the spirit submitted himself to God the Bible says he was raised from the dead now he lives unto God do you understand I wish I could communicate this if I can't put it into words Maybe you can get this in the spirit. This is what we're after. <laughs> we're not after some shallow, weak, spiritual existence. We are the last Adam. The life of the spirit needs to be moving out of us. I remember a testimony. Y'all heard Tom, Tom Barnes, that old 80-year-old 80, prophet, Brother Tom Barnes. They said he could walk up to people and shake their hands that weren't even in the church. And the power of God would hit those people. They could feel electricity running through their arms. Where did that come from? There's a spirit there. There's a spirit. There's an anointing there. Presence of God that's there. Not just the touch of a man. Spirit flowing out. I don't know about you. But I, want to, I would like to walk with God in such a way. That you could touch people. They could feel the power of God like that. Look at Peter. Oh, come on. I can preach all day to you because I'm under the unction right now. Look at Peter. He had such, so much of a spirit that was not just in him. It moved out of him. It was so powerful. His shadow. His influence. 
spiritual influence went out of his body and they brought people that were sick and laid them in his shadow God healed them by his influence <laughs> Woo! <laughs> see that's what the enemy is after though he's after that he wants you to bow so that that can't come forth but you, you know what? You know you're really walking with God when you can walk, walk by in your shadow. I don't even know if I have a shadow. Somewhere. I can't find it. I have to have a shadow. Anyway. You just walk by somebody and your spiritual influence is so powerful that they could be healed. What does that tell you? There's something that moves out beyond that body. Something moves beyond. On that body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Uh, so now we say, hey, 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 stop looking at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> How'd we know that? Something coming out of your spirit. Right. Yeah, man. you're all captured and all defeated and in bondage your spirit is suppressed it's not moving out there's no life there there's no victory there life is gone you walking in victory, walking in holiness that's why it's important that people that not just talented stand up here but people that are dead dead to that old nature because when they stand up here, you can hear them sing, but can you feel them sing? You can hear them preach, but can you feel them preach? You feel that spirit, man. I'm telling you, some of you testify, testify, man, I go, boom, like something hits me. You know what I'm talking about? Just hits you. Tears start running down your eyes. You say, what is that? I wasn't planning on crying. Something happened in the spirit. There was a connection that was made. Something in control reaches beyond the physical. See, we're not limited. That's what makes this church so powerful because we're not limited to the physical. We're not limited to the natural. We are spiritual beings moving in a spiritual kingdom under the control of a spiritual king. And it moves out there, impacting and healing and delivering and saving. Brother Cardoza said that he got the news that the radio broadcast he does on Sunday mornings, Christian broadcast program that he does, is number one in this area. Against the secular or otherwise. Number one. You know what? Let me tell you something. That didn't just happen. There are airways there. There is spirits behind it. These people that are tuning in are <laughs> tuning in because there's a spirit moving them to do so. You ever walked into a restaurant, discerned all the spirits that were there? You ever walked into a home, your family's there, some saved, some not saved, and you can sense it? You know, they smile at you, hello, how you doing? And on the inside, they just hate you, they hate you, man. They hate what you stand for, they hate what you believe. They didn't say nothing. 
didn't have to say anything. Men are real good about this. I mean, y'all, women are perceptive, okay? You have the ability to discern and perceive, but men are real good about it. I don't even, I don't even have to look at this man to know how he feels about me. I know how he feels about me. You know how I feel about you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, men. You know what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of people get in fights. I don't like your attitude. What do you mean? How do you know? I didn't say nothing to you. I don't like your attitude, man. <laughs> I don't like your attitude. You know what I'm talking about? Just a knockdown drag out. Nothing was said. Nothing was done. Just, I don't like your attitude. Come on, let's go, man. Oh, you think you can take me? Let's go, man. That guy, poor guy say nothing. He didn't have to. He said, there's something in this. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Some, everything is moved, controlled by spirit. And that's what Paul is saying. What are you yielding to? Hallelujah. If you yield to God, then, then what's going to happen is you're going to manifest Him in your life. That spirit's going to flow out of you. Man, I'm looking forward to the day some of y'all just walk down the street. People get slain in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, you didn't even go pray for them or anything, man. They just walked in your shadow. Boom, something hits them, you know. Whoa, what was that? Man, powerful. Get healed. Just walk by them. And they get healed, you know. Mm, spirit behind it, man. Hallelujah. Well, I love you. I pray that this has helped you. Y'all want to see him walk again? And then I'll let you go home. See, turn him on. Eh, shut up. Come here, you. Come here. No, you don't back up on me. Get over here. Yeah, that's what I said. That's right. You obey me. I am your master. I am commanding you. I am controlling you. Every move you make. That's right. Just like I told you. <laughs> Stop. Turn. Turn. They wiggle and they wobble, but they won't fall down. Yeah, yeah, you turn. I think I'd like you to do something with your arm if you, you know. You're too occupied with one command. Okay, stop. Let's do something with that arm there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise, pra hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, 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 praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dance. Now uh, dance. How you? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, dance. Dance in the spirit. <laughs> yeah, back up. No, back up. <laughs> he don't know what back up means. Stop. Back up. 
This is my friend. He does everything I say. He wouldn't be my friend if he didn't. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. He's a character, man. Well, we just turn him off here. I love you. I pray that this has helped you understand some things. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your spirit. God, you're so holy. You're so awesome and righteous. God, I desire to walk in your spirit, your will, obeying you, yielding to you. Let your power and your anointing flow out of our lives. The spirit that is in us be manifest all around us. Lord God, today those that are controlled by the sin nature, controlled by demonic powers, Father, in the name of Jesus, your spirit is able to set them free. That they may serve you in righteousness and true holiness. We can live this life. We can be victorious. We can live an overcoming life. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. You're dismissed. Love you. <clears throat>